Welcome, 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 welcome to another week of the Barnabas Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Cloyd Brown, and I would like to say welcome, welcome, welcome. If this is your first time listening, the Barnabas Speaks podcast, a podcast about encouragement, a podcast about empowerment, and a podcast about faith. Well, last week, as you had a special treat where my wife and I, Tisha, were doing our Bible study for our church, which is Renewing Life Church, which is located here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And we have been doing Marriage Month. The month of August is Marriage Month for Renewing Life Church. And our pastor, Pastor Leonard Ravenel, has given us the opportunity to to be the host, to do the discussion. And so this is week two, uh, week two of Marriage Month. And we go straight into it and we begin to talk about the different things as it goes to marriage this week. We are talking about the engagement, the proposal, and things that go on there. We talk on premarital counseling. We talk about what is the, the challenges of engagement, proposal, and all those different things that go into it. So I hope that you are blessed. Uh, please take a listen. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please feel free to email me at Cloyd dot s dot brown at gmail.com cloyd spelled c-l-o-y-e-d dot s dot brown at gmail.com i hope that you enjoy it take a listen god bless you and remember never let your independence rob you from your dependence on god have a wonderful day hand is marriage so last week we talked about dating and really courtship and this week we're going on to the next stage and we're talking about the engagement engagement and so we are going to speak on that briefly my good old faithful bible has fallen that's why it's all torn up but but yes so we are going to talk about engagement and what what is that like in the process and some of the things that we've experienced we would like to put this disclaimer we are not experts we do there's nowhere on any of our pages that will say that we are marriage or relationship experts we're just sharing what god has allowed us to experience and what the wisdom that he poured in us as we have gone through this, but this, we are not experts. And so we do not uh, kind of purport ourselves to be those things. And so at the end of the day, we can give you godly wisdom. But if you if you are watching this and you are having relationship struggles, we are also believers in seeking help. And so if you feel that you need some assistance or you feel that you need some guidance in that area and you maybe your relationship need you feel like you need relationship counseling you need maybe relationship therapy we do we can you can inbox us and we can direct you but we did not don't take our advice don't take our our comments to be the gospel the gospel or therapy because it's not and so that's what we want to say that's the disclaimer now we do have a therapist but that's but that but still yet uh, we we definitely want you to consider that. So we're going to get, get started because I've already had announcements and I'm going to try to st- stay true to Pastor Rav's uh, request about time. And so but we want to have a good discussion. And so we're going to open it up and proposal and engagement. So we're not really going to talk about proposal. We're going to talk about engagement. I said proposal. And so, but we're going to talk about scripture, but we want to go ahead and get right into it. And so I'm going to give the floor to Tisha first. I have the scripture up if you want me to. We're going to get to it, but I want to okay. open it up and then bring the scripture. All right. So starting out with the engagement, um, that was definitely a process. However, I um, I want to talk about the importance of premarital counseling. Okay. Um, that was a huge 
uh, eye-opening experience for me. Um, I grew up with with some thoughts and some views uh, about marriage that I, I found that were that I I didn't know were not the healthiest things to kind of speak over my marriage. Um, so our premarital counseling was with a very elderly couple. I want to say they were in their 60s. They're older than that. Probably much older than that. Maybe 70s, 80s? Probably late 70s. Late 70s. A spunky, older, white couple who um, were believers. Um, my pastor at the time, which was uh, Reverend Dr. Gregory Fuller, uh, referred us to this couple um, outside of the church, which I was actually very thankful for, um, but referred us to this couple outside of the church. Um, so this wasn't a couple that, you know, I had to see every Sunday or anything like that, but really sat us down and really challenged some of my viewpoints about, um, I walked into us being engaged saying, I don't want to have kids right away. I had a plan for my life professionally and, um, I had a mindset that I needed to have a checking account for us and then a separate account in case he start acting up and I need to bounce. Um, so in, in essence, I was I grew up with a mindset that I needed to prepare for divorce financially before we even got married. And so those were things that we talked about in premarital counseling. Um, because I, I was raised by a very strong, independent Black woman, um, and she wanted me to, to be prepared for literally anything. And I just didn't realize at that time that I was speaking some things over my life um, when I thought I was protecting myself, if you will. So if I could be honest, that was really trauma was speaking out of that, um, out of that life experience. So what do you want to say about premarital counseling? Uh, I think that it's it's important. And as an elder, one of the things that people will ask me is to, when they request, they say, hey, can you marry us? And, and one of my rules, and I got it one from wise counsel from my, my one, my bishop, my spiritual father, Bishop Brian D. Moore, but also from my brother, my sounding board, Kevin Hill, Elder Kevin Hill. And we, and I was kind of, as I walked into this, this calling of being an elder, I began to speak with him. I said, what is your, when people come to marry you? Because it wasn't, I, people were asking me to marry them before I was even an elder. And so it was one of those things where I knew it was coming, more people were coming because I think within about a six month time span, people would email us, hey, can you marry us? What is it? Are you able to do it? This and that. And so one of the things that I really did was kind of decide Talk to talking with my my brother Kev, and he was like, "Well, I require them to do at least a a four to six session marital counseling, premarital counseling, and it's it's requirements." Now, my bishop he has a requirement that if he does not know you, you had to know you had to have been engaged for a year before he married you, and so and so I began to look at some of those things, but I realized how important premarital counseling was for me, and I know that the the go to is that, hey, if you're going to do premarital counseling, you need to do it with the church, you need to do it with uh, Christian counseling. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I don't think that's the only, that doesn't have to be the only go-to. Because when someone asked me, so someone came to me and said, 
hey, can you marry us? I said, my only rule is that you have to have premarital counseling. And it does not have to do with the church, but you need to have some premarital counseling. And if you can have some type of certificate or just like them saying, hey, yes, they, they sat down with me for how many sessions for premarital counseling, I'm fine with that. Because I think it's important because there's so much that we come in with. There's so much that we come in with preconceived notions about what marriage is. We have preconceived notion of what marriage should be, what our wife should be, what the husband should be. And we don't realize how much that we've carried on. We, we brought into that. And so sometimes it is better to have someone that would literally be like your sounding board or to give you a different perspective. And if you don't have that, you don't know, you don't even know what preconceived notion you're going into marriage with. And so sometimes we look at this, we look at premarital counseling as this, this big thing. Whenever we hear counseling, whenever we hear therapy, we come to this big thing. And a lot of times, and I don't want to speak for therapists, but I do believe that is to give you a different perspective. It is to really to give you a perspective. One just because sometimes we we don't realize how much we have sponged up, we soaked up over life, over time, whether it's about marriage, whether it's about the way that we think a household should run. Uh, simple things. Uh, there's simple things that will that can make or break sometimes in marriage, and it's because maybe you don't know how to communicate with each other. And this premarital counseling is can be the a building block. Absolutely, uh, it can be a building block, and you don't have to think, "Oh man, I'm going to premarital counseling that I'm leaving Jesus out." You're not, uh, and so you we should seek wisdom. Uh, the Bible tells us to seek wisdom, and so. That's my thoughts on premarital counseling. I think it's a necessity. I think it's important. I think that I don't care how long you've been together. I think that is good. I think sometimes when you feel like you've been together for so long and you feel like, okay, yeah, I've been together. We've been dating. We've known each other for six, seven years. We are, insert this name, this name. We, we, we're the idyllic couple. And so, but you still need that because you still don't know what you're carrying on and who else, whose voice is inside your head that, it sounds like your voice is telling you how marriage should be. Absolutely. I think that is a, an excellent kind of segue into um, just the idea of how long a couple should date. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when I first went to my pastor uh, at that time and saying, you know, I'm really feeling this guy and think I want you to meet him and I you know I think I'm ready for marriage and one of the very first things he said to me was I think it's it's he said I believe it's important that you date in all seasons and I was like you mean like fall winter spring summer what you mean date in all seasons and as he sat me down he really took me through what he meant by that and he meant date through your partner losing a family member, date through poverty, date through a job loss, date through grad school, um, date through different life experiences. Don't rush so deep into it because the magnitude of a person's character can really be challenged when they're faced with adversity. Um, and those things tend to come out in relationships. Um, when you think about domestic violence situations, they don't necessarily start out that way. It starts out roses and chocolate and sweet and golden, and then things shift as frustration, adversity, and different challenges come about. Um, and so that was truly what he meant. He didn't say that he was giving me a blessing or anything like that. He said, daughter, I just want you to date in all seasons. Make sure you really know what you're getting into. Um, and so I remember bringing that back to you. Mm -hmm. 
and just saying he said date in all seasons. And I remember even praying and saying, um, and I shared this last week, hey, God, tell me what's wrong with him. Mm-hmm. So I know when to run because I really felt like in my mind, I was like, date through all seasons means let me check for what's wrong so I know when to bounce. Um, but it really meant um, us dating through the challenges in in parental relationships, uh, dating through challenges with siblings, dating and challenges through with family members, dating and losing family members, seeing how a person grieves the loss of someone that they love. Um, so it was definitely very eye-opening for me to really see dating from that perspective rather than just dating for fun or dating for marriage, but literally dating to see how a person handles various challenges and victories in their life. I think that one, that lesson, that dating all seasons or see someone all seasons, that is what I call my my encouragers and my pastors and my pastor's toolbox because it's important. I when he said it, I understood what he meant. So I just because I like the word of God, but if you actually think about Ecclesiastes three, where he's talking about for everything there is a season. And so you just don't you don't really you really don't know. You don't know a person. You don't know a person until one, you don't know a person until you don't need anything from them and they, and, and they don't need anything from you. You don't know the person until their back is against the wall. You don't know a person fully. And so sometimes when you don't know a person fully, you begin to, you get surprised. Mm-hmm. And you, you become surprised by their behavior of certain things. And a lot of times getting to know a person in all seasons is a lot about communication and getting the I mean, because one of the things I think, I can't remember who I was, it was actually, I was listening to Bishop Jakes, and he was saying how when you attach yourself to someone, you don't even, you don't know what you're attaching to because you haven't spent enough time with them to even know. And sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's, it's some of the things that we had to work through was my job. I'll never forget. It was, uh, I was in the military at the time, and she didn't understand at the time the demand of the military. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was like, oh man, you make it seem like, your, your schedule is unpredictable. And then she was with me for a little bit longer. She was like, oh man, your schedule really is unpredictable. And so uh, it, it becomes that because when you are when you are marrying someone, as the Bible says, that the, the two shall become one flesh. And so be, you're, you're putting, and it's more than just the spiritual side. You're taking on whatever they have going on. And so if they have a rough relationship with their their family, then you have to be able to endure that rough relationship with the family. If they have uh, a difficult job, then you have to be able to endure that difficult job because it become it comes back on you. There's nothing that you'll do that's in the silo. That's the kind of the, the uh, that is the kind of the point is that you're not facing anything together. I mean, separately. And is there a timeline to date before engaging? I I I don't think there is. I do think that. That you should spend some time together because some people, even now, they they dated for six months, were engaged in uh, after six months, married in a year, and now fifteen years later, they're they're still telling their story, and so it really it really is that that thing, and so part of the scripture is coming from Genesis thirty nine and uh, twenty nine. I'm sorry, Genesis twenty nine. Thirty nine is getting to Joseph, but uh, it's Jacob. And it's one of the it's one of the most interesting love stories. And so one of the things that uh, 
Pastor Rav said, he said, you got to be ready for, when you guys are going over this, you have to be ready for any question. And so in, in my back of my mind, as we are waiting for the, the fourth, I said fifth last, last, the fifth Tuesday, and then Pastor Rav pointed out that it's only four Tuesdays. And so I was counting Mondays, not Tuesdays. And so it's only four Tuesdays. So the fourth Tuesday is when we'll be, any question you have, send the questions via the inbox, send the questions via the uh, the email admin at rocrdu.com. Whatever you have, send the questions because we're ready for them. We'll even generate some of our own questions because we know they're out there. But most of the time when we go to the Bible, we start talking about what we define as polygamy. And we look at Jacob and one of the first, I guess, versions of it is Jacob. But what we have to understand, and we have the scripture is long and preaching knowledge tells me, preaching wisdom tells me not to read the, the whole, more than 10 verses. <laughs> uh, so uh, we, I want to save time, so I don't want to read it in its entirety. I do want to kind of give you a synopsis. Genesis 29, verses 15 through 29? Yes. Uh, and so one of the things that's happening, and so if you, Genesis uh, 29, and so and you if you read that thing, and you have to read kind of the whole story of Jacob, but we don't have time to go all over Jacob, because I can go on for days. But what the biggest thing is that Jacob is now at his uncle Laban's house, his mo- his mother's brother. And understand this is a different time. And so you wouldn't, this would not happen in this time, at least not in the United States. And so, and he's working for Laban. And he falls in love with his, with Laban's daughter, Rachel. And he, and Bob says he falls in love with her. And so he goes to Laban and says, hey, I want Rachel to be my wife. Now this is, understand that this is tradition. And now we understand there's some traditions that are, that we still believe in, in asking the father's blessing, uh, asking the, the, the daughter's or the, the, the woman's father's blessing for her hand in marriage and things of that nature. But this is a tradition that you'll go to the, the, the father. And J- Laban says, I'd rather hit her marry you than someone else. So sure. And he said, well, Jacob said, I'll work for seven years. And so in the grand scheme of things, he is now, she is now promised to Jacob. And and another word is she's now betrothed to Jacob. She is now engaged to Jacob. And so he loves her so much. He said, I will work for you for seven years. And then you can give me, give me her hand. And then we can be, we can become married. And then so he does seven years. And then Laban fooled Jacob. And there's some, there's some Hebrew history here that you have to understand tradition. People, so he also had another daughter named Leah. And so he fools Jacob and he ends up marrying Leah. And so most people are like, man, you read the Bible from the eyes of, of our culture, Western culture, you'll be like, how did that even happen? How do you mistakenly? Well, in that time, the woman just never takes off the veil until, until after the marriage is consummated. And so that means that after, so, so what consummation means, until after the first time they have sex, the honeymoon, he won't even see her face. That's, that, that is the culture. And so that that was it. And so that's and so you wonder how could this even happen? This is what this is what happened. Uh, and so it happens, and then he realized that it's not Rachel. He's upset, and now Laban said it's not tradition. It's not right to give away the younger daughter before the oldest daughter. And so he says, "Okay, I'll work for you for seven more years. Just give me Rachel." So for fourteen years, he is he is basically dedicated to working for his father in law until he gets the woman that he loves, 14 years. And so 
and most people look at the polygamy side, he wasn't looking for two wives. Jacob was looking for Rachel. Uh, and so we're going to, I know the question is going to come up and I'm prepared for that question when it comes out as we talk about polygamy and all the, all the other things that come with it and everything that's popular right now. But what the other side of it is, is that he, he was engaged to her for 14 years. That's 14 years of getting to know this person. That's, that's 14 years of, of knowing who she was and also working with her family, knowing her family and things of that nature. And so sometimes we look at what is, what is too long, what is too short. And I don't think, I think it's person by person. Look at an engagement that doesn't end the marriage as failure. Mm. If we look at an engagement that doesn't end the marriage as failure, then we don't really understand the purpose of dating and the engagement Absolutely. because that's part of the part of it is getting to know each other. Now, however, even if the person, if the reason why the engagement is called off is for infidelity, it's better now than later. It's like, it's better that you found out who this person is before you said, I do. And before you took your vows and before you spent thousands thousand dollars on the wedding and before you spent you you have kids in the mix and before you have a house together and and every you change your name or if, if you're not the person that changed your name whatever it may be it is you have all before all those things the whole point of the engagement and this process of, of you're still courting to kind of find out about this person and so i i want to leave I, it's not really a question but i kind of want to see what you have think when you think about engagements that don't end the marriage i think it's, it's hurtful heartbreak of course um because that is a truly not the intent mm -hmm. when when a couple gets together and there's an engagement there's it's so public um and so things not going as expected if you will can feel like a public embarrassment um and it can feel like a failure um but if we really attune our minds to to kind of having a growth mindset and seeing things beyond what's right in front of us, you can really view that from look at what I'm gaining at this loss. I'm getting my life back or look at what this could have been. Um, but yes, it can feel very publicly embarrassing. Um, outside of a, a failed engagement, I remember we were desiring to have a wedding and then realize that we wouldn't. So having to call people to say, hey, we got really married, but we're not having a wedding anymore. It's mm -hmm. no longer financially feasible to do that uh, due to a job layoff and you being deployed. And so it's it's an embarrassment because you built this status up in your mm -hmm. mind based on what society and family tells you of what this thing should be and what it should look like. And so when it doesn't meet those qualifications, you know, it can feel like a huge letdown. But I think we really have to look at what we're losing and what we're gaining in that situation. I also want to add that every engagement that ends doesn't have to end violently. I'm saying violently. I'm not talking about physically. But it doesn't have to be like a shakeup. It could be it, you, as you go through community college, this is why it's important. And you begin to talk and realize that, man, we view a lot of things differently. Mm -hmm. We view how to save money differently. We view how to raise children differently. We view what marriage consists of differently. And we are too different. And maybe this is at the point. But sometimes when we add, in the, in the engagement, we add so much pressure 
last week I ended with not adding the pressure to get to this thing called marriage or not adding the pressure of every relationship being the end result being marriage. That one of the things that you, it's okay. A lot of the reason why it becomes embarrassing, a lot of the reason why it becomes so stressful and so, oh man, it's because there's this pressure as soon as, and it, and a lot of times in our society, it's a pressure for what's next. So you begin a date, when's the wedding? Or when, when are you proposing? You propose, when's the wedding? You get married, when's the children coming? You get children, when's the next one coming? And it becomes this thing and it becomes this competition. And now there's this, not even a, it's not even a real competition. It's really something that people have now put this, this race to get somewhere where it's not really a race. Understand, and if you actually continue with the story of Jacob, the challenge of Rachel not being able to have children, and it became this thing because she didn't have children. Because at that at that juncture in in society, what what a man desired most, according to society, now this is this is where the twist is that to have someone to carry their name or to, to carry their legacy. But Jacob still loved Rachel without children, so. If we and if we go back, he never he never requested children from Rachel, and he never said that was his expectation. But because of how society felt, and of course we only we only have a portion of the story, so we don't we can't get the full view of it. But he the fact is that he was in love with her even after after Leah Leah had produced him all these children, he still loved Rachel more. And so, in a lot of ways. That sometimes we put these pressures on us that is that are not necessary and they're not expectations. As Tisha spoke last week, as she talked about feeling like she needed to get home and cook dinner for me and this, this and that. And she was she had this pressure. And the pressure came from she was looking at it as if it was an expectation put on by me, but it was never an expectation by me. And so because it was never expectation by me, the pressure was only coming from herself. And but also coming from outside voices of telling them what they what what a wife was supposed to be, mm -hmm. and the real reality of it is is that whether we're talking about in, uh, an engagement, no one can tell you how long an engagement should be. No one can tell you whether it should end in marriage. The whole point is that yes, you hope that it ends in marriage. That's the point of it ending in marriage. But if it doesn't, it's not a failure. It is like it is. We thought that we were going here. We realized that we we're going in two different directions, and I'm glad that we found out. And so I feel led to say that if if you are watching this and you're watching a rebroadcast or you're watching live and you find yourself beating yourself up because you hadn't that you, you've been engaged, proposed to, you've accepted it, you were engaged, and it's been years and you're not married, and you two have went your separate ways. Stop beating yourself up. It's okay. And it really, it really may not be because there was anything wrong with the two of you individually. It is that as you were trying to come together, it just wasn't, you weren't meant to. It wasn't God's will. And it, in, long, the long, in the long way, you may find out that it wasn't what you would have won the long way. And it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with that person. There's something wrong with, with you. It just means that this wasn't that wasn't what it was supposed to end like, and so I know I can talk, so I'm gonna give some we'll give some room back to Tisha. Um, do you want to move to our next topic? 
Next question, sure. Um, do we spend enough time preparing people for the realness of marriage? I'm gonna say no, we don't. Many of us are not telling the truth about marriage. We make it seem like it's all roses, or we make it seem as though it's really hard. Um, I don't think marriage is that hard, um, but it depends on your level of submission, how hard this can be. And I think submission is a really tough word in for, I'll say it's a tough word for women. Uh, sometimes it's a tough word for men too. I find that submission has been easier in my marriage because I had something to submit to. Um, I knew that my husband was submitted to Christ. And so I felt confident in submitting to him. Um, I also feel that within my marriage, and I want to be specific about my marriage, um, that there's a dual level of submission that he submits to Christ. But there are also times where we submit to each other. Um, we compromise on things. So submission hasn't been as hard for me. And I recognize that this is a real challenge in marriages at times in relationships, period. Um, but I, for me, it was important to know that I had a, a true leader in my presence. Um, I can lead by myself, but I needed to also be able to be led. Um, and so that meant being able to submit to leadership. And that was important that my husband had a strong Godhead. I don't think there's room for conversation a lot of times perfectly for marriage. Because everyone, for the most part, most people have an idea of what they think marriage should be. Mm. And so when you already have an idea and you're, something disrupts your reality, then you kind of, you either clam up or you like, well, marriage is not for me. And also everything that, even the things that we share, it's reality for us, it is practice for us, but it's theory to you because it's not you. Like the whole thing is that what we should be discussing is principle. And the reality of the principle is that inside of marriage is just relationship principle with certain different levels of intimacy. And so that if, if you if you understand the principles of relationship that the one of the basis of relationship, the foundations is communication and you don't communicate, yes, yes, marriage can be hard, doesn't have to be hard. But it's it's just like any other relationship. That it's not even about being we say give and take. And, it, and then we see people talking about 50-50 and 100-100 and this and that. And there are so many things that you come to marriage with, you come to the proposal with, you come to the engagement with, that in real reality is that it's just theory because you have not used it yet. And so part of, we're talking about scientifically, if we're, if we're talking about scientific research, part of a theory is testing it. And then understand that sometimes when you sometimes the test does not come with you affirming your theory. Sometimes it, it conflicts with your theory. And and after the research is done, you realize, man, this theory is flawed. And so if you came to a relationship thinking that the woman is supposed to do all the cooking and cleaning and, and she's supposed to do all the baby raising, and then the, the husband or the, the male. Uh, is supposed to do all the pay all the bills, this and that. Uh, those those gender roles work in theory. They're theories, 
But then you realize that what you saw, because all everything that you saw growing up is different. And we're getting into next week's topic as we talk about marriage. But I want to talk, talk on this because this is some things that people are going through in the engagement right now. But what you saw from your grandparents, what you saw from your parents, they were also in a different time. The economy was different. And so in theory, it may seem good that the man uh, does pays all the bills. But then you realize that this time is different and that it needs two working adults to be able to get to a comfortable lifestyle. And then the, the other reality of it is, is that what you thought you saw your, your, your parents doing may not have been the full uh, gamut. There may have been an understanding behind the closed doors that says, okay, I want you to work. I, I want you to work and I, I want to stay at home. It may have been a real conversation, but you're coming into the relationship demanding it. And so what you saw in practice, you didn't get the full the full conversation. And so for you, it's just a theory you're trying to put in that place. But also, it just may not work. Uh, there, there's going to be some some activity that's going to be on the the, the, uh, the, the as far as child rearing on both sides. And and studies will show you that it, it helps. Like research tells you that it helps when the, the father is more active. Uh, that it, it shows you that, but also there, this is this is a time where people are going to be entrepreneurs. It's going to be a time where people are going to need two jobs because if you look at this economy, that one job thing is really out the window. <laughs> unless you unless you're a millionaire, <laughs> unless you're living somewhere Midwest and sixty thousand dollars is enough to buy to have the house and pay all the bills. But if you're living on the East Coast, those are, those are the expensive. If you're on the East Coast, you're on the West Coast. It's expensive, and so it may not be that may not be a reality. What else you have? Um, I know we're close, we're running out on time. Uh, our last topic was about sex before marriage um, and the struggle to put the top back on Pandora's box. I don't think <laughs> I don't think that we're going to be able to. I'm going. We're going to touch it, touch on it. But I don't think this is a, a capped thing. So if if it bleeds over, we can also leave it to the fourth and have those for questions. But don't do it, sis. Don't do it. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I, we wanted to do about with this marriage month is be very transparent, very real. And there's no way, and even even beyond in relationship, let's say before you even propose and you've had sex before marriage, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is hard to really to go back. And so, it, and you will need, you needed God's grace before, before, and you, you're gonna need even more of God's grace after. Uh, and what I mean by that is that the, the reality of sex, the reality of sex is that it is God-given. And so, and the, the reality of the pleasure of sex, it is God-given. And so the, it is not that it was meant to ever be kept from you. So, but when you experience it before time and you can't put it back. So is, it is a, it is a, a battle between the body and the mind in the sense is the battle because it is natural, but at the same time, it's a struggle. So what most people try to do is they try to put the, for lack of a better 
afraid to try to put the milk back in the bottle after it's been spilled. And you can't. It's it's spilled. And, and so that and that's just what it is. And it's that you can't put Pandora top back on Pandora's block. You can't because it's you'll always have the memory. And you can and in the certain things, I, if I'm being honest, I I pray God said, God, help me control this thing, but don't take the don't take don't take the drive away from me. If I'm, if I'm being 100 percent honest, I didn't I didn't want I didn't want to be like a monk when I didn't have this uh this the the desire anymore. I didn't want God to take the desire. I just wanted him to help me deal with the desire. And that's beautiful. Uh, so uh, so the the that becomes sometimes a challenge because we are always the, the Bible says that the spirit in the flesh or the carnal nature are at enmity with each other. They're at war. And so the the spirit wants to do what the spirit does and the carnal nature wants to do what the carnal nature does. And that is why Romans 7, starting in verse 15, is one of my, my favorite scriptures because he says, I hate myself. That which I what that what I love, I don't do. That what I what I what I hate, that is what I do. He's in the internal struggle. And we don't know what it is, but I know for me. Personally, it was me trying to abstain. It was like, man, I want to do this thing, but I can't. And this may this may be more a more expanded topic, and I want to give teachers some some room to speak about it, and then we'll close out. But I want to remind you that we can open this back up if this is a question that's probably we can open it back up on the fourth uh, Tuesday. I, I don't know if I'm if I you're so <laughs> wonderful in your verbiage. <laughs> Um, I was not praying about this. <laughs> um, he was praying. I was not. Um, I'm going to be completely transparent and say that I equated sex to my value. Um, I really, I felt like that was how I needed to show love and be loved. Um, and so it was a huge aspect of, of my life at that time. Um, I will be honest in our dating time in our courtship, even in our, in our marriage, I had to go back. God, God showed me me and I had to go back to my husband because he was my husband by then and apologize to him and repent honestly for the times where he was trying his absolute hardest to abstain from sex while we were dating. And I was doing everything in my absolute power to seduce him. Um, and so God, I think it was three years into our marriage that God really showed me me and revealed that to me and revealed where that came from within me. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget how that felt in knowing that I was trying to disrupt someone else's walk with God um, and exactly where that drive within my flesh came from. Um, so I'm really transparent with people and saying, yes, my husband was trying to ask. My, my fiance, if you will, at that time was trying to abstain. Um, and it was hard because we were in a long distance relationship. I was in grad school in Georgia. He was in New Jersey and then we We still were miles apart. So when we saw each other, it was just like, this man got a fresh haircut, son. Like, he been to the gym. Like, he nice. And yeah, so I've felt like there were some things that I needed to satisfy when I really didn't, that my flesh was screaming. Um, 
And he was praying and I was just like, I don't even know if I want to talk to God about this because I don't think I want to stop this thing. Um, so those that's just me being completely transparent and real that this was a process of abstaining. And once he once I realized how steadfast he was, I had to kind of submit my will, if you will, because I was like, wow, like I'm out of order. I really am, but I don't, I need to learn how to, to get this under control. So um, I definitely think this is a topic that is very raw, real, and true for many believers um, who are dating and, you know, looking towards marriage. Abstaining is not easy, but I promise you it is doable when you put the correct boundaries in place and when you really acknowledge how you truly feel about sex and about your value and your worth. And I'm going to put one more thing on that is that you also have to be honest with yourself. Uh, I think that, and this goes beyond sex, this goes in with your walk with Christ. You have to know your triggers. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know your triggers or you don't acknowledge your triggers, some of, some people know their triggers but don't acknowledge them or think they're stronger than they are. Uh, and it just, yeah. it's, 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 not, it's not smart uh, because at the end of the day, you you know you should know yourself. And to plug, uh, uh, to to plug uh, one not just premarital counsel but counsel in general. If you are having a hard time identifying those triggers, that's where a therapist can help you. Uh, that's where a counselor can help you. And we didn't touch on all the things that we talked about in premarital counsel. We talked about finances mm-hmm. and how that works, and we talked about uh, children and how, how those things work. And I ne- when I, I was as we were writing these notes to come up with these notes, I did not expect to end it like this. But I do think that that's where someone can help you. Uh, one of the things that I always suggest when someone and I, once again, I did not know this is where we're going to end. But if you are trying to to be better uh, or to abstain, that is your goal, because if it's not your goal, this is not going to mean anything to you. Absolutely. And so if that is your goal, then. I highly, highly, highly suggest accountability partners. I'm talking about someone that that knows you, someone that that you can be raw and real with, uh, and someone that can say, "Hey, you know what's up?" Was no. So if you if they know that you're going on a date tonight and it's supposed to be like, "Hey, this is the anniversary date," and you got something really romantic planned, say, "Hey, if I don't hear you from you by 11, 11:30, I'm giving you the call." And then, but and then, so sometimes knowing that call is coming. And now it's a little different than when we were uh, dating because now everyone, everyone had phones then, but it's, it's even more. Uh, there was no do not disturb then. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so it's do not disturb now and things of that nature. And so you have to make sure that you are considering that. Use your accountability partners, but also realize that communication. And it could have, like, the other side of it is, is that I'm not saying that this is the case. I don't remember. But it could have been that I could have communicated the need the need for this. And because as, as a, as, no matter what you're leading, no matter what you're doing, it, it requires communication. And so we want to close with that, but I also want to, to speak to those that are engaged and uh, are on their way to marriage, that we are praying for you. If you have prayer requests, send them. And if this is not, hey, you want it to go just straight to us, uh, our Tisha's, you can, uh, Tisha, it's Tisha Brown on, on Facebook. It's Chloe Brown on Facebook for me and inbox us. Let us know. 
you have any, if you just want to say, I want to marry people to pray, be praying with you, that's fine. We can do that. Um, if you if you want to know some more, more details or you have uh, specific questions that you don't even want discussed on this live, let us know. But if you do have questions that you want us to discuss and we want, you want to have an open discussion, we will be having a, a the, the question and answer session on the fourth Tuesday. Can you look up to see the date of that case? Uh, the fourth Tuesday of this month. So we have one more. Next week, we're going for the full gamut marriage. That's August 24th. is the fourth Tuesday. The fourth Tuesday. Get Excuse your, me, August 25th. August 25th. That's fine. I did the same thing. And that's why I thought it was fifth, five uh, Tuesdays. But uh, August 25th. Get your questions in by any means necessary. Admin at rocrdu.com. You can email the Renewal Life uh, box. If you follow us on Instagram, you can do it there. Twitter, you can do it there. However you want. If you, you want to send it directly to us, we will bring the question. And if it, one, if it's a question that you want specifically for us, let, let us know. But if you want the question to be answered on the, on the fourth Tuesday, let us know that as well. But we're praying for those that are engaged or think about engagement. We're also praying for those that are struggling with single, being single. And one of the things that we talked about is that we, I really, last week, I thought we could touch more on, on being single and what that looks like. But I, we are praying for, for those that are struggling with being single, those that are not struggling with being single, doing good. We, we, we celebrate you because singleness is not a, it's not a weight. Uh, for some people, they look at it like that, but it's not a weight. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with you because you're single. There's nothing wrong with you because you want to be married. There's nothing wrong with that as either. And so we're praying for you. We believe. We believe in you. We are. We are hoping that that you get your strength, no matter which way, one way or the other. But we are praying for those that are engaged. Once again, if you have any questions, our our Instagram, Facebook, all that, you can definitely inbox us the questions. But we want to thank you for coming out on, on behalf of Pastor Raph. Thank you for renewing with us. And if you're looking for a church home, we're right here in Southeast Raleigh and we're looking to make an impact. Admin at rocru.com. And as far as I know, we will be virtual for the near future. Uh, and so I, I can't say when, but I, I have an idea. I have an idea when it's going to be, but I do believe that it's going to be for that definitely the very near future. So, uh, so if you are looking and you're not here yet, but you know you're coming, email us anyway and join us. Anything you want to add before we close out? If you are experiencing relationship challenges, whether it be in a single, non-married relationship or even in a marriage, please don't hesitate to reach out to a licensed clinical mental health counselor or even someone who is licensed in working with couples. Uh, so licensed marriage and family therapists. Um, it is okay to seek help and to really reinvest in yourself so that you can gain a greater awareness of not just yourself, but how this impacts the relationship and even just relationships with sisters, friends, parents, et cetera. So I would be remiss if I did not bring that opportunity forward to bring that opportunity to the forefront. If you're looking for a therapist, if you're looking for a black therapist, please check out Therapy for Black Girls and Therapy for Black Men. Uh, great sites for networking and looking for therapists of color. Thank you. Oh, thanks for renewing with us. And we will see you next week as we tackle marriage. The full gambit. And we'll be talking about it there. And don't forget to insert your questions before we leave. 
Uh, let us close in prayer, teacher. We close in prayer, please. Absolutely. Hi, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to commune together. We thank you for the fellowship and for the opportunity to just share our life's work, our life's testimony with a body of believers. Now, God, I pray that the words of our mouth would be pleasing to you, oh God. I pray that anything that we have said would be changing and would be a transformation in the lives of others. Father, I pray that you would continue to keep us in perfect peace and health. It is in the mighty matchless name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for renewing with us. We'll see you next week.